to Beyond the Ring, a podcast that covers all things in the stock show industry from the informative to the insane, starring Ryan Rash. It's better to show up late than ugly. And Dale Hummel. You don't throw a whole life away just because he's banged up a little. Now on with the show. Welcome to Beyond the Ring. This is Dale Hummel, along with co-star Ryan Rash. Hello, hello, hello. Ryan, are you ready to follow Joe's press secretary and circle back onto a discussion topic? Uh, sure. <laughs> You're not ready for this. I, evidently not. I don't, I don't know. You know, many of the listeners heard it here first. Heard what? Have you been in a hole buried underground? Last week was my birthday week, so I really yeah, I haven't heard a lot. No. Uh-uh. I had a chance to watch an interview. Uh, Luis Elizondo spent 20 years running military intelligence operations around the world. And then he went into what is called the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program at the Pentagon. This was in 2008. Prior to that, he had no concern or even thoughts of, of UFOs. Oh, sweet Jesus. Here we go again. There are documented cases. It's, it's the mainstream media has released it. It's, it's, I've researched it. It's everywhere. It's real. What is it? What are their intentions? National security issues. There's documented evidence that have now been declassified by the Pentagon that has been released, not just videos. And it's even gone to the point where they, the military has acknowledged that they've had daily contact or daily interactions, I shouldn't say interactions, sightings, two years straight, every single day of something they call identified. Now, they've, they've taken out all of what I call the what ifs. What if it's this? What if it's that? They've eliminated those, Ryan, to where they've basically stated it is some form of vehicle. And that the scary part of this is, and they're not saying it's they're not saying it's from another planet. They're just saying, here, this is what it is. We've eliminated all these other possibilities. Either China or Russia, which would be the most advanced technologically besides us, is one hundred fold further advanced than we are. I, I don't think that's possible. I hope it's not possible. And if that's not the case, then there aren't a lot of other options. But this this particular vessel, vehicle, whatever you want to call it, they've the research that they've gathered and have released, we're talking about something that can withstand six to seven hundred G forces, fly at thirteen thousand miles per hour, evade radar, fly through air, water, and possibly space, has no apparent signs of propulsion, no wings, and still defies natural effects of gravity. Do you want to tell me what that could be, Ryan? Um, so to the little small children that came up to me at the show this weekend (laughs) and told me that I was too mean to tell other than the UFO subject, now you will see why. I literally had three little small children come up to me, very cute little kids. He said, you're too mean to Dale, other than and the I, UFOs. I, you oh, need to be mean to Dale about the UFOs. No, I think and this is what you that. start out with. This, this is real. You need to do just a little bit of research. And I'm, again, I'm not saying it's from another planet, but if we rule out everything else, which they pretty much have, I don't know what other explanation there is. There is no question that the Pentagon has exhausted all the what-ifs and nothing. I become very concerned when the Pentagon says, there is no other options. This is what it is. These, these objects are invading restricted military space. This is common. The military admits it, Ryan. Every day for a two-year period, they, they've had these sightings. And this isn't just some wacko saying, hey, I just saw a UFO. I have no personal experience with the UFO. I don't believe I've probably ever seen one or not that I'm aware of. I'm simply going off the information presented. And if such information is accurate, 
there is no question it is happening. Mm-hmm. I, I, again, I have. Would never you like s- to retract? No, I don't want to retract anything because I have never said that I do not believe there are other forms of intelligent life somewhere out there that we do not know about. I have never said that. I have never said that I do not believe in UFOs. What I have said is you are a little obsessed with them. <laughs> well, I do believe that if there's that technology out there. And they are not going to kill the Chinese Chinese Communist Party either. So you can no, like we can, that. we can hope. We can hope that they, they have intentions of that. My thoughts are if they are here, if it is from another planet, I do, I do not know. All I'm saying is this vessel exists of some sort and it appears to be multiple ones. If it is not from a, if it is from another planet, I guess I assume they've been coming here for hundreds, if not thousands of years. Fortunately, they've decided to pretty much leave us alone. And I think our military was very wise. Have and not you engaging. seen what we do on planet earth? I would leave us yeah. the hell alone too. You would think if they're going to intervene, it's maybe a good time. And that, that brings that whole, maybe they save our ass from China and, and the others. Do you remember this? And maybe I'm maybe I'm I'm not recalling it correctly because I am a little obsessed with things that I think could drastically change the world, such uh-huh. as this. Do you remember when Trump said something about he's going to come out with something that would kind of shock people? No, he said he made it very clear that he was going to release all this information on UFOs, but he also stated that it would be after he left office. Well. He's left office and he didn't. So that makes me think he's definitely running well, no. again. No, I don't know about that. I, I, I guess maybe he put the ball in motion because they are being released right now and he has left office. I, I don't know if it was because of his efforts or not, but the, the, the Republican side in Congress is Jeff definitely demanding the unclassification of this information. And I'm, I'm not going to lay awake worrying about this, but it oh, seems whatever. as though the world. It seems as though the average person walking around, there, it's not a question. There, there's something there, or the Pentagon is lying to us. And I don't think they would probably make something like this up to try to panic the world. The good thing is the world is not in a panic. They don't even seem to know or care. Yeah, well, I think there are just some things in life, Dill, that you can't control. And this I have is an, one I, of them. I I agree with that, and I I have to work on accepting that better. I've got way bigger issues than a UFO come at me. Literally, if our no, president keeps going at this rate, I'm like, come get me. Take me somewhere else. <laughs> Do you want to talk about the Palestinian world and Israel at all? I have so many issues with this man that's running our country. <laughs> I just, I, I do. Uh, 735 million. Selling that many weapons to Israel or giving them that money. Seven hundred and thirty-five million. I believe he was selling them that much in in missiles and military equipment. I believe because there is not enough nonsense, bombing, death, and violence going on in the Middle East right now. Anyway, Ryan, you have Iran sponsoring Hamas and the Palestinians to launch three thousand plus rockets into Israel. Israel has a defense system that blocks a lot of them, but not all of them. And I think what we have here is a situation. I don't like the fact that Biden is selling those to him because I think he's cut a deal because he wants to go back into that Iran agreement where we give them billions of dollars in green cash for no apparent reason. And he doesn't want Israel complaining about it. So he's going to sell Israel weapons, allowing them to stay quiet while he works on this Iranian deal and getting back into that horrible, 
horrible deal that Trump got us out of. But I am very much in favor of Israel defending themselves. I, I have nothing against Israel defending themselves. Here is my point, and this is going to ruffle a lot of people's feathers, and I really don't care. I, you know, we went four years with Trump, and we did not have any major military conflict whatsoever at all with anyone, anyone. I, I don't, I'm sure there were still some weapon sales and weapons deals made and stuff like that. I'm not, but he pretty much was like, I'm going to fix our country and not worry about the rest of the world right now. Like, we're going to worry about us. What was so wrong with that? What, what, what? <laughs> and you know that the irony of it is everybody thought when Trump was president, he would get us into every war or every battle in the world. And he did the opposite. And none. Zero. Strength they, through, or, or I guess our defense through strength and, and the fact that they didn't, I, I'm going to say they didn't want to piss with him. No. Because, I mean, th this is kind of like when you're picking a fight with somebody, okay? And this is just general knowledge, people. If you're going to start shit or pick a fight with somebody... Make sure that person that you are picking the fight with is not crazier than you are. I think that's the whole reason nobody wanted to mess with Trump, because they're like, oh, no, this is not the right person to screw with. <laughs> I think there's a lot to that, right? I think you know. Just not the right person to screw with. And so, um, clearly, uh, I just uh Biden. And I, I agree with you. And I'm, I'm You not know we're not even authority. six months into this yet. Oh, I know. I know. And this so is I don't a mess. Like it's, it's all a mess. It is, and and I I promise you, Biden or anybody else, not even Trump, is going to fix thousands of years of hate in the Middle East between no fractions. Th that is that not just isn't going to happen. That is not going to be fixed. Ever. That doesn't mean we need to get back into an Iranian nuclear deal that gives them billions of dollars and allows them to fund terrorists all over the country. All of these things. I if I'm Israel. I'm so pissed about the the Hamas and Palestinians. You can't. There's not even. I don't even know who you deal with. Palestinians, uh, assumably, were elected or or have have governmental control, but Hamas controls the Gaza Strip. I, I don't know who you would even negotiate with, but I do know that it's Iran sending the money, sending the missiles, instigating everything. If I'm Israel, you don't want to know what I do. It's called nuclear weapons. Iran being in range, gone. I don't, I think the smartest thing that you have said on this podcast is no one is going to fix this Iran-Israel conflict. This is like thousands of years of bullshit. And so whatever, but like, and I, I, I realize that the United States is kind of like the world leader and they are supposed to like kind of guide other countries and try to prevent world wars and, you know, stuff like that. I get all that. I'm fine with that. Let's... And alert the world about UFOs. Right. Alert the world about UFOs, of course. That's, that, I think that which is our, be, which is our new I think that should be a constitutional amendment now for you, Dale. We'll call it the Dale Hummel <laughs> no, Constitutional Prince Harry Amendment. No, Prince Harry would not like that. Uh, well, Prince Harry can go back to England for all I care. But... They don't want him. Uh, no, nobody wants him. And I do not want him in America either. I'm just going to tell you that much. But... I think, I think we're stuck. <laughs> I think we need to worry about some of the stuff at home before we try to go fix things that are impossible to be fixed. I'm done with that rant. But yeah, Prince Harry, go back to England, go back to Canada, go somewhere. Uh, he's not sure what the First Amendment is, but he's against it. Right. How can you be against something that you clear, that you state that you don't understand? <laughs>
Oh, uh, maybe you should go to Canada. I don't know what the First Amendment is, and then goes on about how he's against it. Yeah, he does. So Canada has auditors coming out to houses now. They hired thousands. I don't even know the number, Ryan, to go kind of like a tax auditor here in the U.S. They they except they show up at your house and make sure you're green enough. Oh, the Green Police. Oh, how would you like them showing up at Gay Hill? Uh, they probably run. <laughs> <laughs> the wild hogs would chase them off. I mean, <laughs> they would probably run. I mean, right now, I don't think they, unless they have a boat, they couldn't get here. But other than that. Do you know what would happen if they show up at McCluskey's house? they get shot. And they <laughs> they maybe well earned it. They, they would get shot. Um, you, Your girlfriend, Cameltoe. <laughs> Easy, yes. Yeah, your girlfriend, Cameltoe. 56 days. She has not had a press conference. No, no, that's that's true. But Biden rode in the electric truck yesterday. Does that count? Uh, and he also threatened to run over a reporter. But he was just teasing. Right. Okay. Just teasing. Okay. That that was some. I, I listened to a little bit of that that I don't know if you want to call it a press conference that display of ignorance where where it's like we can transfer from fossil fuel to electric. Just boom, immediately. Don't worry about oil. Don't worry about pipelines. We're going to be fine. But next year, we can convert everything. So there. And sometimes we, we simply forget, where does electricity come from, Ryan? It's, Do we not have to fuel generators to Yeah, I mean, that's how, yeah. <laughs> All so they're, they're, not, they're not eliminating things. It, just, it looks very clean, but we have production of batteries. We have production of the electricity. And I would be in favor, and, and maybe this will offend some people, but Nuclear power across the world, people are putting in new, very efficient, very safe nuclear plants. We have built none in, I think, 30 years, and we're very much against it. But if we want to talk about true, clean power, and I understand there's nuclear waste, and we need to identify how to dispose of it and where to put it in one place, all those things. But as of right now, if we're wanting to talk about a green planet, electric everything, to my knowledge, solar, wind, all the other green avenues, can't warm up what we can do with nuclear power, and we could actually be a pretty healthy planet, provided the nuclear plants are safe and we're disposing the waste properly. But that's not even on the radar. Uh, maybe the, maybe those those vessels, aliens, Russians, Chinese, whatever they are, maybe they have will share the technology they have to to be able to power their ships. Oh yeah, especially if they can like go through the water, like you said. I'm all about that. Like that would be cool. <laughs> You're in on that. Maybe they'll give you a ride. I want to get on a ship and go to the bottom of the ocean and see like the scary shit. That's what I want to. You you have you have seen nothing on the news about this. Nothing. Okay, Dale. I'm trying to explain to you again. Last week was my birthday week. People have birthdays every year. They still they still. My birthday focus on the week news. is a national holiday. I might have <laughs> been intoxicated. A whole lot of it. I judged the show this past weekend. Then I flew home Monday and it was a wreck because plane was delayed. Then I had to literally drive through a minor hurricane to get home. So no, I have not exactly been up on the news. Other than I'm bringing up things other than UFOs that you do not want to talk about because all you want to talk about is UFOs. Did you hear that Cuomo's getting $5.1 million on his COVID book deal? He's yes, well, I well did deserving, hear that. isn't he? That, that every, he needs more money. God. I hope he spends every penny of that on attorneys to try to keep his defense I mean, team going he and definitely, keep him out of jail. He definitely, definitely needs more money because he didn't have enough to begin with. But. No, he's going to need more. Uh, when they get done with this nursing home and some other allegations that are posed against him, he's going to need a pretty strong defense fund, I think. I hope. Did you see that Biden released his tax 
records. I did see like 600000 last year, maybe. It was down a little bit. Right, because he, he had to put too much of his own personal money in his campaign for president, so he lost money. Got it. And how do you accumulate that much on a senator's salary? I, I, I don't know what it is, but I'm assuming it's under a couple hundred thousand. Well, he years. wasn't even a senator then. Yeah, after he, 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 after he was vice president, he was nothing. <laughs> so <laughs> Nothing, zero. Didn't, didn't have a job. Well, I mean, so I, hmm. I don't know. I have something positive. Oh, good. Two things positive. Shopify is anti-woke. You know what we sell our gear through? Shopify. We do. We're happy to support Shopify. One of the few companies that comes out and says this political racist baiting agenda is crap. They're, they're, they're being very forward about this. Now, this is interesting. A while ago, I explained to my wife and children, no more Nike products. Um, we're going to avoid all China products as best possible. And now they've, they've turned on me a little bit, Ryan. They, they explained that Coke company is, is probably in this woke era and I need to eliminate my Coke Zero addiction. You know what? They're probably right. Okay. See, I, I've, since, since Coke started firing people for being too white, I literally, this is a problem, but I don't drink many soft drinks. I don't drink them at all when I'm at home, but like on airplanes, they don't serve tea. And you really can't get a lot of alcohol anymore. And most times I have to get in a rent car and drive. And so that doesn't work out. So, like, I would normally drink a Coke on the airplanes. Well, now, they, they, a lot of times I tried Dr. Pepper. They don't have Dr. Pepper. So, yeah, and I hate water. So, but I do it because, yeah, I don't think you should fire people or hire people because of their skin color. I know that's a terrible thing and going to make people mad. But <laughs> seems pretty simple to me. I, 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 I just find. don't think, I just don't think, or gender for that matter. Whichever one of the 900 genders you want to be now, I don't think you should get hired or fired for being any of them. No, if you're qualified, get the job. I saw a African-American conservative gay person on TV today, Ryan. Oh. The only other conservative gay I've ever seen. So there's one. White one and one black one now. Okay. <laughs> now we're 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 getting there. We're getting our diversification quota. Oh, and there's one trans. We have Caitlyn Jenner. Forgot. So yeah, straight. I mean, we're we're. I mean, this 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 conservative base is really spreading its wings here. Straight. This is good. All inclusive. So, are you going to ditch your Coke Zero thing or no? I'm going to. I, I mean, I, I I'm going to do. I'm I'm going to do my best. It, it is a challenge, more of a challenge when traveling. But yeah, I I I'm going to sign up for that. Uh, the only other thing that I have to bring up, and I think this is positive, but I also think we need to have a real conversation about this. So the CDC keeps throwing out all these things about how fully vaccinated people don't have to wear masks. And it's just opening. It's just it's really steamrolling. So now all these companies are saying if you're fully vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask in store. Uh, Texas A&M, you don't have to wear a mask at college anymore. All this stuff, and I think that is great, and I am all for normalcy returning and all this stuff. Here is my one little issue with all this. They're saying fully vaccinated people. Um, There's no way to prove that. Are you fully vaccinated when they ask you? No, I am not fully vaccinated. I'm half vaccinated, but I'm not talking about me. There's no way to prove this. That card is not proof. No, I think some states actually have databases that are tracking it, but I. It I, is not I'm Texas. 
is not um, Texas. Illinois, Illinois, I do not. I mean, I've got this little, probably little same little white card with somebody's signature on it. That, that's what I've got. And like, when I'm saying there's no way to track this, I do not want people to think that I think we should have tracking devices or anything else like that. But the simple point of all this is, it if you have a license, there is a database that lets you know if you have a license, if you don't have a license, or if the license is valid or expired. So... If this is how this is going to transpire, and again, Texas is making law after law about how the fact that whether you're vaccinated or not does not matter and has no effect on anything. But like, if I'm very confused on how part, like the, I would say the federal government and the people they're listening to are saying fully vaccinated people can be normal, not wear a mask, not do that, you know, do, do all the normal things. But yet there's no way of identifying who is and who is not. That that doesn't bother you at all. No, it, I, I just, it does bother me. I don't, I think people are just going to lie and say they're vaccinated if they so choose to, but exactly. No, there, there's no, no way to, and I don't care because like y'all know me. I, I, I want to <laughs> wear a mask, whatever, but like I, I get bothered at the concept of organized chaos. This is organized chaos. This this goes back to your your one rule for stock ship. Exactly. You, you can't implement it. You can't make the rule effective. Then don't have it. So yeah, no. Done. I just Over. had to get that off my chest. Okay, I have one more positive thing, and then we'll jump into the main topic. I did not and, believe uh, you have a positive thing, but next. Positive. If it has my, anything my, to do with UFOs, I'm going to shoot you. No, well, I don't know if that's positive or negative. I, I'm, it's undetermined there. Now, this... I had a chance to go to Iowa this weekend, and we had a family up there that had bought some goats with us or from us. So we headed that direction and helped them out, and we took some weather for my my kids to show. So we had one show on Saturday and two shows on Sunday, and these are just small jackpot shows. But this is actually, obviously, I've been to shows. I've been judging shows. But since Oklahoma City, I don't think we've actually participated in any shows as a family. So it was it was good and when you're in the ring or judging, you're not maybe communicating or talking to a lot of the people that are there showing and, and so forth or, or not in a non-formal sense, but being at the shows and being in the, in the back and we're showing out of the trailers and working with other families, everybody seems so appreciative to be able to show. There was not a mask in sight. It was all really good. Families helped each other out, happy when, when one family wins or the other family wins. It was just a very, very good environment. The environment that I, I hope to see a lot of this summer, and I think people and Ryan and I have talked about this a lot, we're appreciative to get back out to these shows. We appreciate the people putting on the shows. Everything that's going on and the fact that we didn't completely shut down and a lot of people stepped up last year and, and made it happen, whether it was in their backyard or somewhere else, I appreciate those things. And it was good. We got to meet some new families. We had old friend Troy Gretz and his family there that uh, jumped in to help us out when we we're running behind getting some some legs pulled. And, and just that camaraderie is is good. It's really, really good. And Ryan, I did my best. Remember our episode from the outside looking in? I did my best to take deep breaths, and, and we got through the weekend. Sir, this is not the same person I talked to on Saturday and Sunday. I, I did my best. Uh-huh. <laughs> Do you not take medication had, all the time? Had, is it like, had, uh, like, is it like just when you think you need it or like, because <laughs> I'm starting to think you might have multiple personality disorder. I do have anxiety issues and I would like 
medication for it. I have not gone to get any, but it, it may it may do. I th- it may it may be something I look into. I think your wife needs to take you because I think you have multiple personality disorder. Because this is not the person that I talked to on Saturday evening. But that's because remember I'm, we're all trying to do better. I'm trying to do better. And we had a very good weekend. We we had we did very well in the show. It was all good. But yeah, there, there's always going to be some issues when you're you're going to, to some of these jackpot shows. They just they just exist. So we go from what I we talked about Saturday to now everything's rainbows, butterflies, and unicorns. Okay, great, good. Now we're just avoiding the negative and talking about the positive. See, that doesn't work for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, again, me, I'm not trying. Me. I'm not trying to get no. You you you've said your piece. You've said your story. But here. And this is for, like, I'm just going to put this out there. So, Dale is always concerned about, oh, we have to have positivity in every episode and da 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 and all. And I do, I do not know a person that literally tries to put more positivity out in the industry. I go judge all these shows, I, all these kids, whatever. I love this industry, or I would not literally do the things that I do for it. But people, our industry is not perfect. And just because I say things, or Dale may say things, that shows that our industry is not perfect does not mean we are not positive. The truth is not always rainbows, butterflies, and unicorns. (laughs) And if you can't handle that, Jesse, Cherie, Moeller, Clooney, Rash, Caraba, Bright, then I can't help you. <laughs> I think she's pretty good about it. No. Every day she tells me I'm mean, and I say I'm not mean. I speak the truth, lady. There's a difference. There's a gray so, area there. Rant gray over. Area. Rant over. Next. I'm good. Do you have any more current events to bring out? No. I mean, there's so many, and I, I'm going to say- The world is falling. Have, the the yeah, United States events. is falling apart. And if y'all don't think that's positive, kiss my gay ass because it's the truth. That is the truth. It it is an issue. Oh, it's an issue. And I, I, yeah, I'm going to need medication before this administration's gone positively. Today, Brian, we're going to talk about barn basics. Uh, we've covered many of these topics and management protocols in the past, but we continue to get requests to go over some of these and maybe condense them all into one episode. So we're going to hit just the surface of, of what we do and in, in everybody in, in parts of the country, I guess, we're just getting those animals into the barn or starting to get out to shows. We're still early in the show season for a lot of people out there in the sheep and goat and pig world. So we're going to hit some of these things. Hopefully there, there's some benefit there. We'll give you our insight. And again, mine for one is not always going to be accurate, but it's, it's what I believe and, and what's worked for me. And that's not always going to work for everybody in every situation. But we can start off, Ryan. I'm, I would like to start on the nutrition side. That's maybe where I get the most questions. Go right ahead, sir. Now, I'll take it just more from, from an experience and fielding questions, whether it's at a, at a clinic or just here on the phone or text messaging. But most, most show feeds, uh, every saying, well, what's the best show feed to feed? And I'm not just talking about one species. I think we can go across species. I believe that most nutritional requirements are being met by almost all the show feeds out there that are reputable. So I'm not as concerned with which feed is out there. I think that we can look at different protein levels and be careful there. Just because it says a crude protein percentage doesn't mean that that's 
accessible by the body or available by the body. It's not going to be absorbed. So there's a lot of quality in terms of amino acids out there and and differences, how they were processed, how they were put together. So we've got to be smart about it. But most good feed companies or most feed companies in general have developed what we call a balanced ration. And for the most part, they're going to have the calcium phosphorus ratio right. They're going to make sure that we're meeting the minimum and maximum requirements or within that window of acceptability to avoid deficiencies, avoid toxicities, all of those things. However, we have to be careful, and we've talked about this so many times, let's stick with that basic feed ration and let's use a rule of thumb that let's keep our supplements to less than 20% of the diet. If we do that, we're probably not throwing that balanced feed ration too far out of whack. If we get this too far out of whack, whether it's a calcium phosphorus ratio or any other deficiencies or toxicities or whatever it may be, we are doing more harm than good and we're not allowing for maximum absorption of those nutrients. So be smart about those supplements. Be careful. Don't don't fall for those infomercials you see at two o'clock in the morning that say this product's going to do everything for you. The more a supplement says it can do, Or for example, I I can go back to when I was teaching, I would give my nutrition students an assignment uh, to pull up supplement claims or a supplement and what it claims to do and explain to me from a science base how one supplement, for example, can burn fat from the jowl of a pig without taking fat off of other areas of the body. Or if they claim to do everything that you want to have done in the show animal, explain how that's happening by giving them the supplement. So I encourage you to implement a little bit of science along with some common sense. Um, Some supplements have great value. um, Others have none. So depending on what that animal needs, what type of management and exercise program they're on, then we adjust accordingly. So we, we need to fit each individual animal as an individual, nutritionally, whether it be their their intake or what supplements that, that we're providing. One one feed protocol does not fit all animals, period. No, that's a very good point. But, uh, and just, I think everything you said is spot on. Uh, but one thing that I want to add in here, uh, in terms of the major show feed manufacturers, they all have balanced ration, just like you said. I, I think one thing that people need to really concentrate on is Get the one that you can get the freshest. And not every feed company is going to be able to service every area of the United States. And so if you can find one of those major show feed companies that you can get fresh feed on a continuing and ongoing basis in the amounts and in the times you need it, I would start there. And then on the supplements, Again, we had an episode on this and maybe we need to address it again. I'm not sure. But like, I can't say enough about the fact that there are supplements that work. But I think the ones that work are the ones that target more specific areas. I do not believe that there is that one all magical catch-all supplement that is just going to improve everything on your animal. And Again, a lot of people that sell supplements aren't going to like that, but <laughs> that's just kind of what it is. And it's at shows like you'll walk down these aisles and you will see people mixing feed and there's very little feed in that. And there's all this voodoo. <laughs> and so, again, I, I, I'm i not as big a fan as the voodoo. Uh, I'll never forget one year at the State Fair of Texas. We actually won the steer show, and so the people across the aisle from us came up to us afterwards, and they congratulated us, and the dad was like, 
So I'm just a little upset. I said, well, why are you upset, sir? He said, because I've watched you all week, and you have put nothing in front of that calf but feed and water. He said, you drenched him a little today, but nothing else. So do you come out here in the middle of night so people can't see what you're doing, etc.? I was like, no, that's that that's not it. He said, well, I just don't think that you're letting people see what you're really doing to make those cattle look like that. And he wasn't meaning that I was doing anything illegal. He just thought that I had a whole bunch of voodoo hidden away that I didn't want the world to see. I'm like, I get that all the time, Ryan. When we, we send weathers out to clients and we, we email a protocol, and the protocol is kind of what we talk about right here, that I think people find it hard that we can compete at a national level or win a national show on feed and water. That For some reason, just like you're talking about, that win at State Fair, they just don't think it's possible. Is that the best way yeah, to Yeah, and it? like the mom of this girl, she was standing there and she's like, sir, I promise you this calf has not been on any supplement all year long. And I'm not saying that I feed, have fed supplements in all species, but there are some, and I would say over half of the animals that I have ever fed or put out to clients, I have never recommended a supplement for that animal or fed one. Because if you, I think if you start with, very good ones and good fresh feed, then that's that's a lot of it. Again, I just I don't understand that mentality that we're talking about right there. That people that honestly believe that you can't do it without a whole bunch of mumbo jumbo voodoo or magic. I tell people, even though we're dealing sometimes with ruminant animals versus ourselves, that would be a monogastric. Think about what a bodybuilder would do to build muscle. Think about what you'd do to lose weight or, or maintain weight or gain weight. And I think if we get that feed, and, and Ryan nailed it, make sure, and, and that's the first thing that I tell clients, I say, well, what feed do you want me to put those on? And I say, well, what do you have available in your area that's going to be consistent and fresh? And if we can accomplish that with the fact that the, the palatability or the feed intake is good on that particular feed, if we have strong feed intake, then we're in control of how many calories or how much that animal is going to put into its body. If they don't have a strong feed intake, then we're spending most of our time begging them to eat, just to please, please consume a little bit more. And that doesn't allow us to do hardly anything. But with a strong feed intake and strong consumption, we can adjust accordingly, and that allows us to control rather than the animal. And I always come back with this this feed intake is is so huge in our program, whether we're talking about cattle or, or goats, that... One thing that, that I, I get a lot when we send animals out, and I, I'm going to assume Ryan's had the same, whether it's cattle, whether it's goats, I don't think it matters what species, but one of the questions that a, a breeder is going to get often is that animal goes to a new place and they're not hitting the feed maybe as hard. It could be the same feed. They'll, you'll get that call and say, hey, he's not wanting to go to feed. Is this the feed you're on? Is this the hay you're on? You know what we never never bring into play? Nobody ever asked. What type of water device? Did you do water in a bucket? Did you water an automatic water? Was it a water tank? And we've got to realize that water intake and feed intake are going to go hand in hand. So we may be presenting them with the exact same feed, but obviously we're in a different environment. They're, they're under stress from hauling, from being out of their comfort zone, all of those things. And then we throw on top of it water that tastes and smells different. 
if they don't drink much water, it doesn't matter if the feed's the same, they simply aren't going to consume much feed. I'm not saying there's anything we can really do about the water. We're we're not going to ship water from our place to there and, and keep them on that. But we need to take a deep breath and realize there's going to be a several day acclimation period for them to habituate to that water. They're going to drink enough to survive at first, but we want them drinking enough to maximize feed intake. And that may take a little bit, and, and it's not always ideal. We may be going from well water to chlorinated city water to sulfur water. There's just so many different things there. And over time, they will normally acclimate to it. And we'd like that to happen sooner than later, but it's, it's not always going to work that way. We're so anal about, about this water intake, Ryan. Our show animals will bucket water two to three times a day, rinse it out, clean it out, put it back on there. We never use soap. We just wipe them out and fill them back up and put them in. Those buckets are filled to a specific line each time we fill them so that next person or if I'm down there changing water or the kids are, they can track how much that pin or that individual has drank. And we look at that just like most people look at, well, did that animal go off feed? There's something wrong. Our thoughts are if they go off water, sometimes is, a, is even a precursor to them going off feed. Uh, so we're, we're so anal about it. It's crazy. My kids, it drives them crazy. But I even even have a light-colored bucket. I believe they actually have better water intake in it, and we can notice that slime build up a little bit easier or if that bucket's dirty. So you want to talk about being anal about different things, maybe even UFOs, Ryan? This water thing, that's that's my number one. No matter who sends animals away, it's going to take a couple days or maybe even a week for them to acclimate to not only different water but different environment, all that stuff. And it's just... Every time you take an animal from one place to another, there's going to be a transition period. And that's why I think that going to shows and getting those animals out on the road more times, as many times as you can, that will make that transition less when it's for the important show. Because the more times they do it, they are going to acclimate the like, okay, well, either... I'm going to be hungry or thirsty, or I'm going to just drink and eat what they're putting me here. Because at that important show at the end, you don't want any of that. And so that's why I think the getting them out to jackpot shows and making them go through that as many times as possible in the end helps. So Ryan and I may be oversimplifying for some of you, but we're, we're giving you the honest truth. This is what we have done, and this is what has provided or allowed some success. So with that, when we, we go back, we talk about that, that feed ration, uh, getting a, a show feed that's consistent and fresh locally. And if they have a consumption, if consumption strong on that feed, we avoid going over 20% in our supplements to try to keep some of our ratios in balance. We can control where that animal's at in terms of feed intake, and, and we are in charge rather than the animal being in charge. So real simple, we come back to the water thing, make sure it's fresh, make sure it's available in some manner that we're going to encourage water intake because water intake is going to be directly correlated to feed intake. If we can do those simple things, and I want to throw the next one in, and I tell people in a protocol that I send out, if we can provide feed intake or provide feed that has strong palatability, we can provide fresh water and, and water intake is good, the next one in there is parasite management. If we've done those three simple things, we've already beaten 80% of the competition. And I, I truly believe that. And I think parasite management is maybe the most overlooked of any, and it's very, very simple. There's nothing difficult about it. 
we we talk about many parasites like diseases are geographically specific. Mm-hmm. There's certain parts of the country that it's it's more prevalent, and certain parasites are going to be more prevalent in certain areas. So in an ideal world, and, and what we do here is we'll run our own fecal samples, uh, several samples once a, once a week. We encourage our clients to send fecal samples to us. I'm sure the U.S. Mail loves those goat pellets that are in a Ziploc bag and stuck in an envelope, but they always deliver them. They don't smell the best when they get in. But if we can run those, those fecals or have your local vet run those fecals, we can adjust accordingly. And I recommend running them at least once a month. If you choose not to run them, then we need to use some form of broad-spectrum wormer that you're hoping is going to get whatever parasite's there. I don't like leaving that room for air, so we will look at exactly what's there. And, and a lot of you are saying, well, they're fine. They're, they're eating. They're gaining weight. Their stools are normal. They're not loose. Well, guess what? We have to get pretty high on a parasite load to start seeing symptoms. By the time we see symptoms, whether we're losing weight, poor hair coat, Maybe it's coccidian, you've got terribly loose stools, whatever it may be. We've gone backwards for quite a while. And in my opinion, if you're wanting to compete at the highest level or to meet your goal, whether that's a county fair or a national show, you need to keep this in check. And, and by doing this, it's very simple. And I assure you, if we were to go to a lot of these shows, I'm going to use those jackpot shows I went to this weekend. And I'm not picking on them because it's everywhere in the country. You pulled fecals on all those animals that came out of that ring, I'm going to say 80% of them are probably at a higher parasite load than what I'd feel comfortable with. I'm not saying they're sick. I'm not saying they're going downhill, but they could do better if we brought that load down. How simple is that, Ryan? So I'm going to be really honest. I think parasite control is very important. And I think just like you said on warming them, that that is something that has to happen. And we when we had animals here or anybody I sold to, that was something that happened every single month or so. I have never ran fecal samples on an animal unless they were sick. So just going to put that out. So maybe, maybe, maybe overkill on my, my part, but it sure makes it simple. And, you know, I think, and Ryan, obviously you've showed all species, but I think we have less issues in cattle than we do maybe sheep and goats. And I think goats are probably the worst is why maybe I've gone even even deeper into it, but it's a challenge. We we have show pins that are concrete uh, that we use shavings in, and they're stainless steel lined. I mean, they're, we can clean those out and sanitize them as well as any show pin in the country, and we could be negative for a couple months, maybe go to a show, maybe not, but even after a couple months of negative, we'll still pop with a little bit of a parasite load, and, and I'm bad about wanting to get to zero, and that's not realistic. We're, all animals are going to have some parasite load, we just need to keep it within a manageable level that's not inhibiting performance or nutrient absorption in any manner. Wormers and all of those things, and again, there's lots of them out there and different types and all that, and whatever works easiest for you and your operation, depending on how many head you have and all that other stuff, it is extremely important. And again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with what you do, Dale. I just don't know that many people that have that technology available in their barn. Yeah, but I understand. But most of our local vets can do it, and it's, it's honestly not complicated. Every vet can do it. I just primarily because we only fed cattle here, and like you said, I don't think it is as big of a deal 
uh, we just, unless they were sick, we just never went to that extent. I'm not saying anything against it. I think if you can do it and have the technology, go for it. But I also don't want people to think that that's probably, that might be a little less abnormal than normal, I guess, is the only thing that I'm <laughs> wanting it. people to know here. Understandable. What about pin requirements or pin space? You can lead lead us down that road in the cattle side. Well, like, I, I think the... Again, depending on how many head you have and all this stuff, it, you've got to have adequate space for that animal inside the barn and then outside of the barn. Because, again, or at least the way we do it is uh, we bring those things in pretty early in the morning and tend to the daily care side of it. And more times than not, they're going to go in a cool room. And uh, I'm not saying all the time, but I would say at least. of of the time or better, those animals are going to go in a cool room. If they were here, or I would say that same way for most of my clients that I had. We want them to go out at night, and the way that we have things set up here, water is at one end and feed is at the other, hay is kind of in the middle. So, And that just keeps them moving and keeps them going and exercising. And that's, we don't have an exercise regiment for our steers or heifers. Other than that, unless it's something that we have to do for that one certain animal. And normally if it's like that, they're probably not going to last with me very long anyway. I think in terms of pen space, in the ones that aren't in a cool room, and even we, we had two coolers here. And uh, one was where they were tied up. The other is where we had built pens inside a cooler so they could be let loose and, you know, during the day, even in that environment. But no matter which way you do it, and even if you're in a barn, I I think that stairs and heifers need to be tied up for a certain number of hours a day just to learn to stand, not only just stand up, but also to get the fact that they have to have manners at all times, because if you just let one run loose its whole life and then expect it to be on a halter at a show for a week, probably not going to work out so well for you. But adequate space is important, especially if you're not going to have them in a cool room setting and they're just going to be in a pen under a barn, then enough space that when they get up, they can walk around, stretch, stuff like that. No, I think that that's dead on, Ryan. And Depending on what we have for flooring, and, and I'll talk about sheep and goats, that we, we actually keep ours on, on concrete floors, but I don't think we probably need cattle on concrete without quite a bit of bedding 24-7. If we can get them into that dirt turnout lot, that's that's going to be much better for us. Um, most of our cooler rooms, obviously, are going to be pretty deep in, in bedding. So each animal's a little bit different. Hogs are not going to hold up real well on their feet and legs if they're strictly on concrete. Uh, some of them will, will withstand it. Others will not. Regarding sheep and goats, and we're going to move into, into that one, people put them on dirt. They put them on lime. They put them on concrete floors. I think you can use any. I think there's advantages and disadvantages to each. Obviously, the cost. Um, if you have them in dirt and or slash lime, probably going to be more difficult to keep that perfect skin and hair bright white and, and like what we want when we hit the ring. A lot of people ask us when we, we have our goats out there, how'd you get them so white? How do they look so fresh? 
I don't think we're doing anything at all special. We simply have mine concrete with a little bit of shavings in the back. And it seems crazy that that that's that's all it is. It's just keeping them out of the dust and the dirt and, and they're getting along fine. That's allowed us to do much more with our skin and hair than we could if we had them into a dirt pin. Our downside is we don't have that turnout pin at night, and I would like to have some type of outside turnout, not only for exercise purposes, but I think on the goat side, we're, we're dealing with mental issues. Ryan, they're a little bit like me. We, we, we know that if, if we don't keep them mentally stimulated, they go backwards on us. It doesn't seem to be as much of a problem on the cattle and sheep side as maybe it is on the hog and, and goat side. But uh, so we we have, if we throw two head, two show goats into a pen or show lambs, we're in about an eight to 12, eight foot by 12 foot pen, plenty of space for them. Ideally, if there's a turnout adjoining that pen, that's, that's ideal. The more controlled the environment is, probably the more ideal in terms of health management, feeding, all those things. But you've got to remember that controlled environment's probably not going to exist when you're traveling to shows and things like that. So we need to make sure to have them acclimated and prepared to go to those things. And Ryan mentioned earlier, we've got to get them out to at least a few shows. And once they're comfortable hauling, maybe we can come back. And it's a lot more difficult, Ryan. And, and when you've got those cattle in the cooler, we don't want to bring them out. We don't want a, that hair to shuck. But maybe before we go into the into the cooler process, they better have been to a few shows and acclimated and understanding the travel and the shows and all those things that come along with that. So with that said, I don't think there's anything complicated about it, and everybody's going to have different types of show barns. Just implement a little bit of common sense. I think sheep and goats can handle the concrete, no problem. I don't know that I want cattle and hogs on bare concrete the, the entire time, but it should it should be fine. You you talked a little bit, Ryan, about exercise on, on the cattle side, um, and I, I agree with you. There's there's not a lot, I think, that people are implementing. I think we can get them out, and we can, we're at a show. We're going to walk them just because they're tied up all day. But a, a larger night turnout, like you talk about, I think is going to be adequate. Um, you also talked about tying them for a certain amount of the day for manners and so forth. And I think that's working on that show ring endurance, getting them in shape to hold their head up long enough so they're not not battling you. And I think anytime we have any species of livestock that are in, in good athletic shape, they're going to be probably a little bit easier to take out on the road to get through the show ring. All of those factors come into play. On the exercise portion of that, we can throw lambs and goats in together, and there's lots of different different methods that people are using, anywhere from just walking on a halter, run down the farm lane, put them on a track with a dog, put them on a track with kid power, treadmill, uh, maybe cramp on a steep incline, lots of different things that we can do. But what we need to realize, just because our neighbor that's had success is doing this with their sheep or goats, I'm going to do this. Stop and think about it. There's a reason why we put them on a flat track with a dog, or there's a reason we put them on a treadmill. There's a reason we go forwards versus backwards. All of these things have a reason, and we have a certain goal in mind, and each individual sheep or goat is going to need something maybe a little bit different. If we want to build muscle, we maybe want to put them on a track with a dog, or we want to go backwards on a on a treadmill, or we want to put them on a steep incline. If we just need to firm them up and burn some fat or burn calories, we can do that running down the farm lane. We can walk more. We can put them on a treadmill going forward. We can put them on a track and just have kids chasing around the circle. But on the track, we're not going to get that adrenaline from a child usually that we're going to get when we get that dog out there and really get some going. We're going to actually build some muscle on, on a flat track for these, these goats and sheep. So there's always a purpose for all of those things. 
What do you think about exercising a pig, Ryan? Do we need to do much pig exercise? Well, I think it's vital. I mean, like probably, probably I one of the most vital things there are. And I get, the the difference in pigs compared to the other three species is when you're showing a pig, they're in constant motion. Unless the judge tells you, "Hey, relax. I've got to talk a little bit, whatever." But when they're getting evaluated, they're in constant motion. So you and Again, it doesn't matter what the size of the show is. You have to build up the endurance on those pigs so that they don't get tired out. They don't overheat. They don't do all of these things that are possible in a show ring that is going to detract from their performance out there. So, yeah, building up endurance and walking a pig, I think that's high up there on the list. And again, you can't just start out going, well, at Houston, there's a possibility that I might be in the ring for 45 minutes. So we're going to walk my little piggy 45 minutes every day. You got to build into it. <laughs> and so just like a person that's overweight going to the gym for the first time, you're not going to expect them to be on the treadmill for an hour. So think of use some comments. Yeah, it just doesn't, doesn't work like no, that. No, it does doesn't. It? I, I think, Implement the common sense on the hogs. Walk, walk, walk. Obviously, we're trying to train them to keep that head up. And I promise you, it's harder for them to walk a mile with their head up than their head down. So all of these things come into play, and we've, we've got to build up to those things, just as Ryan's talking about. Um, with that said, I can Ryan, you thought, I, you thought maybe we were a little out of the ordinary with the microscope here. Prior to ractopamine, trade name paline in hogs, when we were showing pigs long ago in the Dark Ages, because we were working on, we always wanted to build muscle, build muscle, build, build muscle. I broke one of our, our rules on the nutrition side, and, and I don't, and maybe did something a little bit different on the exercise side, but I created a feed ration that was only animal protein for hogs, no soybean meal. And the animal protein's much more readily absorbed. It was almost the equivalent of putting them on paline. Very expensive and a little out of the ordinary, but it worked. Now, a lot of structural issues and, and movement issues came along with it. But there's one other thing that we did to try to build muscle, and we certainly don't need that today because we have paline uh, available, but we had 20 semi-loads of limestone trucked into the barn lot, and we built this giant hill, and we would walk those hogs up this steep incline and down each day just to try to tear muscle fibers and build them. You don't recommend that? I would probably say not anymore. I mean... (laughs) No, definitely not needed, but... But sometimes, it, I mean, it's just thinking outside of the box and doing what you think is going to help. And I, I don't know that it was a world-changing idea or anything like that, but it, there's no question it built muscle in changing from a plant-based protein to an animal-based protein, just like you think about a bodybuilder being a vegetarian. Probably does, probably not many of them out there that are building that much That's mass. That's not going to work out. So take a <laughs> – no, and, and a pig's digestive system is is remarkably similar to a human. So when we think about these show pigs – prior to paleen being vegetarians, well, we're not allowing that genetic potential for muscle to come into play. Change from a plant-based protein to an animal-based protein that's much more readily absorbed, boom, you've got more muscle. So it's interesting. Ryan talked about the show ring endurance, I think absolutely critical in pigs. And Ryan, don't you think we've maybe pushed the envelope on pigs' skeleton and structural correctness as far as we can that we probably need to get them out and move them just to keep them limbered up and loose and keep those joints going? Well, I think that's every animal i mean again like i said we don't exercise we don't have an exercise routine for cattle or the ones that 
I've ever fed, but they're if you knew how long our runs were and you listen to what I said that the feed's down here, but the water's clear at the other end, they're going to get plenty of exercise in the course of the drinking eating process and uh goats and sheep everyone exercises them but i would also say that pretty much at least the goats and sheep that i've been around they like to exercise themselves a lot as well i do not mean like i've goats and sheep like literally put themselves in weird situations and like are curious little animals and try to play with each other and stuff like that. I mean, more than what cattle and hogs do, I think at least. And then again, a hog, whether you're worried about an hour class at a major show or not. Yeah. As stout as we've made them and as dense in their body make as they are, they've got to be exercised. And I would say that, Hogs are probably kept in smaller areas than most other species all the time. And so, yeah, they've got, I, I think exercise is extremely important. I, I, it's interesting you bring that out, Ryan. And we used to keep hogs in similar space pens that we do goats and lambs now. But I have noticed, and I, I have not fed a lot of hogs, but I've noticed a lot of the places I stop by and, and check on goats at different families that may have also been feeding some hogs. You're right. They're, some of these are kept in individual pens that I thought was crazy that they're just too small. They're not getting enough movement and, and so forth. I mean, they can get up, they can turn around, they can move a little bit, but that's about it. And that, that seems, to, and I guess I have a hard time getting over that seems a little restrictive to me, but I guess if they're getting out and exercising a lot, I'm sure it's probably fine. There is one issue I want to bring up on the hog soundness that I'm sure is still an issue and, and something that we have to deal with at the shows, but when we take these hogs out to walk them, I'd always walk them on grass. And if they ever had to cross over a gravel driveway, I would dump shavings on there so we wouldn't bruise those pads. So I've evolved, Ryan. I've changed from this the last last few years. And my kids had a couple hogs here a few years ago and, and helping some other families. If you pay attention to some of the soundest hogs it shows, hogs that don't have any issues with a soft pad or a bruised pad or a torn pad, it's usually those those people that don't put those hogs in fancy shavings or maybe in that back barn lot with rocks and everything else, maybe walking them down a gravel lane every day. I am thoroughly convinced, and a lot of those pig people out there are going to say, this is a crazy goat or cattle person that knows nothing about hogs. But I am absolutely convinced. Now, if, if we were feeding hogs, and I recommend to people that do, I start walking them down the gravel lane at a younger age, and we're going to callous up those pads and toughen those pads up. So they're not going to be sensitive. They're not going to bruise as easy. And we're actually going to be able to travel and haul without those issues that we normally had with those soft, tender pads. I had them so bad when we were showing hogs years years ago, Ryan, that I would never let them off of very deep shavings other than on grass. If they had to walk a little bit on concrete from the shavings pin to the grass, they would hesitate and not want to step onto that concrete. So every time they went to a show, we tried to get them out of the ping to get them to the ring. They wouldn't want to go out of the, the, the pin that you, they were kept in. You get pinned in a holding pin in the ring, and then they bring you back out. The pigs would not want to go through a gate because they're worried about they're going to change flooring or, or change what the sensitivity of those pads are. So I, I have gone a 180 on this and, and gone to let's toughen those pads up and make sure we don't have issues later. 
crazy? I, I don't think it's crazy. Uh, I'm not sure everyone's going to agree with you on that, but I, I do think there is some common sense behind what you're saying there. Excellent. So if we, there's one more topic I'd, I want to kind of touch on, Ryan, before we jump into your favorite segment. What about skin and hair? In, in obviously in the cattle and in the sheep, I mean, all species. I, I appreciate a good skin and hair coat as much on a pig as I do a calf. Uh, uh, again, I, I think that daily care on no matter what, what you're showing, I, I think that's kind of, if you, if you do it well and do it correctly, I think that's going to be probably 60% of the competition because like no matter when I'm judging, uh, and I mean, hog shows, it's probably more obvious than not when those things are coming in the ring you can tell real quick who's done the work at home and who hasn't in terms of skin and hair. And again, I'm not saying that that greatly affects the outcome of the placing, but you notice that almost instantaneously and it gives you a positive reaction or a negative reaction or no reaction. Cause there's, there's, there's also ones that come in that, yeah, they, they've been taken care of, but they don't have perfect skin and hair. So you get, no response to that compared to the ones that, you know, aren't fresh in terms of skin and hair, have a lot of bruising and stuff like that, where you're going to have a negative reaction. So in anything that we do, you want that first thing to be a positive reaction, I guess. Ryan, you're dead on. I, 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 that's explained perfectly. And I, I can assure you, and it doesn't matter just in a, any species, when they come in and that skin and hair is right, it gives you a good feeling as a judge or a fact that, wow, this one here, they've put the time into it. They're probably not going to put that kind of time into right. a bad one. And I'm not saying, again, we need to place these animals on skin right. and hair coat, but I promise you, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, it is going to affect the placing in, 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 at, that some, at some point. It may not switch first from second, but it's going to benefit that animal. Maybe it's the best Any way to put it. Any positive reaction by a judge is going to benefit your placing. Same, same with that kid walking in with a good attitude and a professional look or, or whatever. All, all of those things impact, and this, this is one of them. I'm going to address more maybe just on, on cattle and goats on the skin and hair here for just a second. And, and again, I'm going to simplify things maybe more than, than what people think we should. But the biggest recommendation that I can give is be careful not to strip the natural oils out of that skin and hair. Sometimes more washing with some of these harsher detergents, and I see Dawn used a lot, and Dawn is a degreaser um, that we use on, on wildlife when they get into an oil spill or something like that. That is taking all of that, that grease or that grease, that, those natural oils out of the skin and hair. I'm not saying you can't do it once in a while, especially if, let's say, cattle have been out in a muddy lot or something, we really need to get them cleaned up. But I would suggest maybe do more conditioning and working of the hair without the actual shampoo, maybe just conditioner. And we avoid we avoid all grease or oil stripping shampoos to the point that we go and buy cheap human shampoo at Walmart and that is what, what we're using on a regular basis. We may only shampoo the legs once a week and the rest of the time we're just rinsing and conditioning. And and we seem to have very good luck keeping that skin and hair in good condition. And I know there's a lot more involved and that's very simplifying things, but that's maybe one one simple thing that if you're shampooing a lot, I've watched people shampoo goats, their entire body on does, on hair does every single day. And a month later, it's a train wreck. And it's it's because they put too much effort into it and too much time. And I, 
I hate to ever say we don't want to put too much into it, but that's that's something we need to keep 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 in check a little bit. I think we're going to be way better off. In terms of the cattle, we rinse every single day. But and what you're saying about the shampoo and stripping oil and all that stuff, very very few times, unless it is just something that like it is god awful muddy around here or whatever, and we have to shampoo every day to keep you know the mud from stripping hair away and stuff like that we would probably only wash two or three times a week and again we don't use dawn or joy or any of those things we use yeah human shampoos as well and stuff like that but and on the days that we just rinse we're constantly putting something in that hair conditioner sheen you know all those other things that help retain oil, keep the skin and hair coat the way it needs to be and stuff like that. And I, I do think that a lot of times people think, oh, well, we have to wash them every single day. And, and cattle, I, don't, I, I think you'd probably be better off rinsing a lot more than actually washing unless you have to. We get asked sometimes, well, how often do you wash your show weathers, your goats? And they get washed only at the time we're going to shear them and slick shear them for a show. So if we only show that goat three times, he's probably been washed three times in his life. And then that's, that's, that's just honest. Maybe that, maybe that's not enough, but it seems to work really, really well. That doesn't mean we're not working and training leg hair and washing legs, but just as far as washing that body, we do it before we're going to shear just because we can get a smoother clip on them. But that's, that's about the extent of it. Ryan, are you ready? Ready for question and answer. I have to apologize to some of our listeners. We have quite a few questions to get through, and we're not going to get through them all today because Ryan Ryan's union says he is only going to take three three an episode. That that's <laughs> I didn't his know how to union. You will go on I'm strike. So excited. If we do any I am more. so glad that my union is speaking up for me. Whoever you are, thank you, people. I bet. I bet. I bet. Mr. Biden's going to send them mm, some money. Good. Yeah. Make sure to share. Mm, share with right. all. Right. This question comes from Chad. I was at an estate sale this past weekend and discovered a Grand Champion Hampshire boar banner from the 1960 Indiana State Fair. This banner brought a couple hundred dollars and was purchased by a relative basically as a family heirloom. Do you think state fair and national shows, should some of them should go back to these cloth banners versus all the Lesser banners that we see, and, and I appreciate all the, the banners that are sent out, and a lot of them are, are sent for free that kids get, and I think they love them. I guess the, the question he's getting at, at some of the bigger shows, should we go with something that, that, that you're going to be proud to keep from maybe one generation to the next? My favorite award in the world is a felt banner. So that, that will just tell you my answer right there. And uh, uh, my mother despises that, and back when... She was letting me have any input on her shows. Uh, I would always want the overalls and the top fives to have those huge felt banners, and she thought they were just tacky, and you don't hang them up, and nobody does that. I, I, I don't think there's a cooler award in the world than one of those felt banners. So, yeah, I'm all for that. Again, I, I think the f- fad and the trend right now are those vinyl banners, and I think it's cool because you can put them up in your barn. And, you know, it's inspiration for you while you're working and all this other stuff. But I just don't think there's anything as classy as one of those felt banners. 
No, I love that, Ryan. And I'm, 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 I love that people sponsor those vinyl banners and they get them out because the kids are getting something they're excited about them. But it's, it's not the same as, as some of those, those felt or cloth banners. And we have in our office in our show barn, I think six or seven of those champion banners from Louisville hanging up there. And, and I'm telling you, those, those mean quite a bit to me. I, I, I would not let those disappear ever. Exactly. The next question is from Lisa. Question for your podcast. What app works best for tracking animal info, such as date of birth, pedigree, weights, feed rations, medications, etc.? We use the feed scoop, but it's out of date and doesn't work well. Ryan, we had something like this on the show apps, I believe. I'm I'm not going to be of any be- benefit here. All I not can do is, is ask listeners. <laughs> I can we can we can reach out and and we will post um, this particular episode, Barn Basics. If our listeners out there would be as kind to comment on what they prefer or what they're using, I would like to know because we don't have a system that that I am really happy with. And I'm sure there are plenty of apps out there that that take care of this. I'm just unaware of them. So, Lisa, I appreciate the question. I'm going to throw this one out to the listeners to to kind of help us out because Ryan and I we're we, we just don't I, have it. Yeah, I've never even thought of using an app to do any of that. To be honest, Kimberly, I'm currently catching up on your podcast, listening to your Superstitions podcast that aired. I don't know two weeks or so ago. Brought up the question because we were told you should not wear black in the show ring. A black shirt specifically, was this just because it was disrespectful to the judge or is there any truth to it? I don't I don't remember the black shirt thing. I remember somebody commented that yellow shirts were, I said were kind that, of wimpy. I said yellow shirt. That I know a lot of people yeah. thought yellow shirts were bad luck. I don't remember saying anything about black shirt. Now, I do remember you talking about black shirts once that maybe we avoid them on black cattle because it all blends in too much up front. Did you mention that? I've talked about how the fact that, like, if you've got a really cool fronted steer or whatever, that heifer, that you might want to wear a shirt that's a contrasting color to that skin or hair of that animal so it sticks out. I've also commented on the fact that I made the majority of my girls wear black jeans and I try to make the boys wear black jeans to show in so they could blend the briskets into their steers all the time. So yeah, I'm so let's, let's blend the ugly contrast. I mean, that was just kind of common sense in our group. And I'm going to tell you, the kids did not like the black jean thing. I don't know why I wore them all the time. It didn't bother me, but yeah, that was just kind of something that like, and I don't, I don't care if your steer had a perfect chest. It, even if it was a black calf, I wanted you to wear black jeans because even if it's perfect, you camouflage it even more is better. But yeah, I, I always thought that that there's always been a little bit of logic to what you wore compared to that animal to make you stand out or to highlight different things, especially in terms of the front end of a calf. So, but I, I don't remember saying anything about not being able to wear black shirts. And so uh, I, I, I vividly remember saying the yellow because I know lots of people think yellow's an unlucky color. Got it. And Kimberly, I, I think there's nothing disrespectful for wearing a black shirt that I'm aware of in terms of a judge's mind whatsoever. But I, I really do believe, and Ryan and I made this or had this topic we, we discussed today over a lot of very simple, basic things, but sometimes simple is better. 
and then we go all the way into detail like this that Ryan's describing on that. If we got a good front end one, let's contrast that so we can see that neck and that neckline, and let's maybe wear darker jeans to blend that brisket in. So it goes from the simple basic things all the way down to the the absolute detail. And if we're wanting to win at the highest level, I I am a firm believer that we need to do every one of these things to put ourselves in that position to best succeed. Going all the way back to these these certain colored buckets and filling them to a certain line. I mean, there's there's so many things we could go on and on about, Ryan. Maybe we'll we'll do one episode on how crazy we get with these show animals and the things that we do for them that that is probably above and beyond what we do for ourselves or our family. Uh, there's lots of people that would <laughs> do that do do that all the time, I guess. Well, Ryan, it's been an enjoyable episode. I appreciate it. Those of you out there, be safe until next week. Y'all come back now, you hear?